And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 642, wrapping up the NL East with the Washington Nationals. Going to have some fun uh, talking to someone who helped me preview the Nationals last year. It's a fun team, at least for the fantasy world. There's actually some things to discuss for once, which is good. You can find her work over on Fantrax.com. She's on Twitter at LK Auerbeck. Lauren Auerbeck, how are we doing, my friend? I'm good, Bubba. Thanks for having me here. Um, I was telling you earlier before the show that I love this series that you do, and I'm glad to be uh, back for season two of it. Yep, yep. I, I appreciate it. I've been telling most people that uh, I got about 80 to 85% of the people back to do the teams, which is fun to me. Like uh, I mentioned it on the Philly show that I've, I did that will come out the day before yours, mm-hmm. that um, it's nice that uh, basically everybody wants to come back for the most part. And uh, they're always the first call. So it's one of those things like I've told them, if you continue to want to do it, you're the first one. And that's the yeah. beauty of it. And um, it's fun to talk some nationals baseball with you before we get started though. Um, let everybody know what uh, what you got going on at fan tracks these days. If you're yeah, I mean, right now I'm kind of in the off season. I do both. I write for both baseball and football for them. Um, and I haven't done actually a lot of off season stuff yet. But once the season we get closer to the, to this season, I'll probably be churning out uh, more Sweet. articles. So that's where that's where you can find me. You can also, like you said, find me at Twitter at LK Arbach, Although I'm a little hit or miss over there. I always say I'll try and be better, but. Um, Still working on that. You have a life. It's okay. You're not like the rest of us. <laughs> well, just, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good. It's not yeah. not a problem at yeah. all. But uh, before we start talking players for the 2024 season, what were your thoughts on how the real life Nationals turned out in 2023? Well, you know, I think it was a, a little bit of a mixed bag, right? You know, they finished at the bottom of the division. Uh, that wasn't surprising, but. What was surprising was some of the performances of some of these hitters um, and that we'll talk about a little bit later. You know, it was really fun to see Lane Thomas put up career numbers and it was really cool to see, you know, prospects like CJ Abrams, Kybert Ruiz have strong seasons. And I think that, you know, kind of seeing that was encouraging, especially since this team is in rebuild mode, um, because sometimes as a fan you know, it's tough to pro- to trust the process sometimes. You know, you trade away your superstars, you get a bunch of, you know, prospects in return. Uh, they don't necessarily all pan out. So to kind of see, at least on the hitting side of the Nationals, um, you know, I, there's a little bit of hope. Um, so that was good. Um, you know, I say mixed bag because on the other side of the spectrum, you have the, the pitching. Um, and there's really no way to sugarcoat it. It's, it's not very good. It wasn't fun to watch. Um, and, you know, my concern is that, that the kind of the pitching will, will really slow this rebuild up, but um, yeah, there's highs and lows, uh, but I'll, I'll take those highs, um, you know, where you can get them. Yep. No doubt about it. I totally understand that. And in uh, 2024 might be a lot of the same hitting's fun pitching. When I put the uh, outline together, I was just like, man, yeah, I, I haven't done anything <laughs> nope. to fix this problem, but we'll get to that <laughs> yeah. in a minute. Uh, let's start with the bats. Then we'll start with Lane Thomas, who you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, and it was great to see the breakout of Lane Thomas. You know, 28 homers, 20 steals. That's a monster season. Hit 268, which is nice. Even scored over 100 runs, which is big in a Nats offense that it's good, but not like prolific by any means. Right, uh, right now, over like the last you know 16 or so drafts in draft champions, he's going around 113. Are you buying into this Lane Thomas? Do you expect regression or what are your thoughts for 2024? Um, yeah, no, I expect a little bit of a regression, um, but, um, I think he kind of came, came out of nowhere that he had, you know, 28 homers. Um, like you said, um, he did up, you know, a lot of his power metrics, but I do expect some regression. I kind of view him more as a low kind of 20, 
to 22 kind of, or 2023, uh, Homer guy. Um, I see him more on the steals department as kind of, you know, maybe 18 to 20 or 15 to 20. Um, I think the, the batting average will take um, a step back as well. Uh, you'll see it maybe kind of in the 250s, 2260 range, I think. Um, but I still think he'll give you a lot of um, strong counting stats. And, um, you know, I don't mean, I don't, you know, mean to poo poo him or anything. I think that he'll definitely be a five category bat. Um, I just will, I would dial back um, some expectations of him. And I will say, I'm very happy to have him, you know, if he was my outfielder three, I think that it's important to remember that outfielders this season aren't exactly growing on trees. So, um, in drafts that I've been doing, uh, so far in this off season, I've been trying to kind of push up outfielders. Um, and I'm perfectly comfortable with having him, um, like I said, as my outfielder three. Yeah, that's a great point. The outfielders like it drops off pretty quickly, uh, especially getting everyday outfielders that give you the the production, the twenty twenty upside that a mm-hmm. Blaine Thomas can give you. So I guess what's keeping him up the draft boards, and I think if he's an outfielder three for you, you're doing pretty good with things. So I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with that one. Let's go to C.J. Abrams, a guy we were both very very high on on this show last year. Uh, I joke with people that when you're dumb enough to do gladiators like myself and others are you're basically planting flags on players early on. That's just kind of how you're doing it because you're just praying in December when you're doing most of these drafts, some in January, that they work. And on two of my three gladiators, I had C.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty pretty pumped on the results there. Slow start, but it's kind of like we talked about, young player finally getting a chance to run and, and play every day. 18 homers, 47 steals, 245 average. You do have to pay for him now, though. ADP is 40. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on Abrams this year, especially at that ADP? Um, I will say the last draft that I took, and keep in mind it was a 12-teamer, but I did take him at 45. And where I was picking, um, I was fourth, so it was the back end of the fourth round. And I was perfectly comfortable taking him there. Um, I have seen he does have a range from, like, I think, like, 31 to 53. 30s, like, that's too soon for me, I think. Um, But, like I said, I was was fine at the the 45 range of the 12-teamer. you know, like you said, I think that this was someone who, you know, Abrams was someone who started off slow. Um, he did a lot of his damage in the second half. I've, you know, seen some people reference, you know, is he going too high primarily because, um, you know, he really had this amazing July, right? And then he was a little bit all over the place um, f- for the whole season. But what I would kind of counter that with is that, you know, at the beginning of July was when he was promoted to the leadoff spot. And from that point on, he really took off. He literally took off. You know, he stole 36 of his 47 bases um, once he landed in the leadoff spot. And um, I think more importantly, when you kind of look at some of his gains in the second half, um, you know, he improved his plate approach. He struck out less. Um, he walked more. For him, this is a guy who struggled to get on base, which isn't you know, the best combo for a leadoff hitter, but he did make improvements. And I think, um, you know, that's important, important to see. It's what you want to see. And like I said, a lot of that uh, production came in the second half. So if you're looking at a player that last season, you know, stole 47 bases, um, 36 from the back half of the season, um, he should be starting, um, you know, in that number one spot this season. So get a full season of CJ Abrams at the leadoff spot. I love it. You know, I think that he's going to um, get a bunch of runs. Um, I, and he, I should mention that he's also, it's not like he's, you know, just a rabbit where he's not um, contributing anywhere else. You know, he also popped 18 home runs last season. So um, this season, I kind of like him for 15 to 18 home runs, 90 plus runs. Um, 
I think he easily, you know, 50 to 60 stolen bases is absolutely in, in, in the cards for Abrams, I think, this season. And if his plate improvements stick, I think that batting average rises. Um, he, had, he ended it with 240, 245 last season, excuse me. Um, I would not be surprised if that's kind of like 250, 255 range. So um, I really like C.J. Abrams. I think just the upside in the steals, you also get a little pop. He's not killing you with that batting average. Um and strong run production, I will take that like every day. Yeah, a lot of great points there on CJ because you're right. You hear the narrative, oh, it was a great July or the rest of the year, yada, yada. I guess, yeah, if you want to break it down, sure. But um, it goes back to at least what we were saying last year, I still believe, and that was his first full season of going. There's still development. He's still so young that, like you said, the plate skills continue to get better. Now he's a 255 hitter, which changes run production, changes – uh, RBIs even, not just run production. Maybe the power develops even more as he gets uh, maybe bigger, as we see these guys do on a day-to-day basis, and the speed is as legit as it comes. So it is very, very intriguing to see where – like we haven't seen the ceiling for C.J. Abrams, which is fun. Now, the draft price, like you mentioned, is tough. The, the 30-ish pick is not my bag. That's mm-hmm. not That's not where I'll be. But like you said, a 45 to 50-ish, something like that, that's pretty darn appealing. Like you can start doing some things, building your roster in a 12 team league. Now you're talking about your fourth pick uh, potentially, or at least late third round on the three, four turn type stuff. And that becomes very, very appealing on Mm directly. You you said 45. So yeah, you're sitting there on on the back ends and and doing some stuff. So that's definitely a way to, uh, to approach the CJ Abrams. I think instead of just crossing them off, like so many are when they see that ADP, there is a way to definitely build. And he is more of a, five category guy which are at least four and a half depending on how anal you want to get about things that makes it um very very appealing to me as well yeah joey manesis this Mm -hmm. is one i've had i've heard some fun conversations on this year because was it a down season for manesis standards yes 13 home runs then again he did that in 2022 in 56 games he played a full season last year Mm -hmm. um you expected more power it came on as the season went on i'll say that much you saw some improvements as the season went on, but still not what you want from Joey Manises. Util only also is kind of a bummer for him. He missed the first base cutoff by one game last year, but ADP of 362, not paying a premium for Joey Manises. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on him? Maybe, you know, coming back to that 20 ish home run guy and uh, giving us some production there. I don't know that I buy say a 20 home run season. I know steamer has him projected for that. I'm a little bit skeptical of it. And I will say before we go off about uh, Joey Manessis is that I did pick him to lead the team in, in home runs uh, last season. So I will take the zero on that, but you know, like you said, he, I mean, he, he hit uh, 13 home runs in 56 games in 2022, and then he only hit 13 in 154 games in 2023. So, um, when you kind of look a little bit under the hood, um, some of his power metrics, you know, they really took a hit um, last season. Um, you know, his, his barrel rate was cut in half to 5.4%. Um, his hard hit rate dropped to 41.7%. And you really saw, uh, you know, his home run per fly ball rate take a beating um, going from 25.5% to 8.6%. So, um, that wasn't good. But what I will say is where he lacked in home runs, he made up for in, um, driving runs in. Uh, he led the team in RBI with 89 and with runners in scoring position, he really, you know, he really mashed. He was, he slashed a 363, 396, 494 line with runners in scoring position. Um, so he played that DH position um, pretty well. And I will say with regards to, you know, where is his power this season? 
it's worth noting that uh, he did have patellar tendinitis uh, last year. So he was playing through a knee injury um, that he picked up in winter ball in 2022. And I think that the Nationals put him kind of over in DH to mask that a little bit. Um, and so I still think that he's going to be a primary DH for this team. Um, but maybe, you know, that knee issue um, was affecting how he was putting weight, you know, or if he was swinging differently or something. Um, so um, you see the power metrics go down, but it may be because of injury. Um, so I don't know. I think looking at, you know, 2024, um, I like him for kind of around 15 home runs, um, probably, you know, uh, I don't know, about 130 runs RBI combo, uh, no steals, but I do think that you get a solid um, batting average out of him. I would say also about um, Joey Manessis is that if you think that he's going to get, um, if you're planning on him getting kind of first bait, first base eligibility, um, I kind of slow the brakes on that. You know, the Nationals really want him to play DH. Um, and like you said, he he missed the cutoff for eligibility by one game. Um, but they're really, they said that they're open to putting him at first base, but they really prefer him over at DH. And I think with Joey Gallo um, entering uh, this, this lineup now, um, he also is going to be playing between, you know, DH first and outfield. So it's a little bit cloudy on roles right now, um, but I would... And not count on Manessis necessarily getting that that first base tag uh, sooner rather than later. It's a good call because like people want to draft him, hoping he'll get it. You can get that flexibility, especially in a draft and hold format. If he doesn't get it, Util only obviously pigeonholes you into one position. Which I'm not opposed to drafting Util only guys, but mm -hmm. uh, that flexibility can be. I pretty, mean, pretty nice. yeah, and I will say too though that when you're talking about that that range that he's going in, um, you know, he's going around guys that. Um, kind of have clear holes, you know, whether it's playing time or batting average or something. I, I mean, Joey Manessas will be playing. He will be playing every day. So he does have that secured playing time. And so if you don't mind, um, you know, uh, a util only, and maybe if he gets uh, first base eligibility, um, he's going to be playing every day. And uh, like I said, maybe his power will go up a little bit if his knee is uh, fully healthy. Um, and he just, he's a dude who can drive and runs and he played that role really well. And hopefully you see an uptick in power this year. Yep. No, it makes a lot of sense. Definitely someone to try to buy the t uptick on mm -hmm. talking about a guy that really started coming into his own is Kyber Ruiz. Uh, we, we know the talent was there, big time catching prospect from the Dodgers came over a few years ago. This was a second full season with the Nats and we saw the power jump from seven to 18 last year, which is not bad in the age 24 season. The batting average 260, kind of who he is. I guess the question for people drafting is the power legit with Kyber Ruiz, ADP of 168. He's a, he's not a bad um, later catcher one potentially. Mm -hmm. So how do you look at Kyber Ruiz? Because I'm a fan if you miss out on some guys going before him. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a big fan of Kyber Ruiz. And I think with uh, regard to power, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, oh, wait, where'd that come from? You know, but I still think, and if you look at, you know, a lot of projections um, anywhere from Steamer to ATC, um, they both give him 16 and 17 um, home runs. So I think that you can um, probably pencil in 15 to 18 home runs um, with Ruiz. And, um, you know, like, like you mentioned, he's going to give you a plus batting average, um, you know, his elite contact rates, and he really came on strong in the second half. Um and I think, you know, you, you you said you said this, I think like right now he's going around catcher 14 or 15, which I feel like this is like where he always goes. Um, but I would have no problem in a 12 team, one catcher league, 
um, you know, grabbing him as my catcher, um, as you know, the last one off the board, um, because he, it, you know, he's going to give you some power and he's got that batting average. I, I really like him. He's going to be sitting at the um, probably the top third of the lineup. Um, and so he's going to be getting, uh, you know, plate appearances. And those sometimes aren't easy to come by with catchers. Um, also combine that with a plus batting average and a little bit of pop. I like Kybert Rees a lot. I'm a little bit higher uh, than consensus on it. Um, I have him actually as uh, my catcher 12. Um, and so I have no problem um, taking him, even though catcher is a little bit uh, deeper this year. Yeah, no, I, I've taken him as catcher one in a few leagues. Love ca- taking him as a catcher two with some of my guys. Big fan of that because at worst, he's going to get you a very solid batting average from the catcher's position and a little bit else to go middle of the order. Like you said, that'll add up as well. Really curious your thoughts here because Stone Garrett was having a heck of a run once he started to play regularly for the Nationals and then had one of the most gruesome injuries you've ever seen with the, the fibula uh, fracture, needed surgery. Uh, still came up with nine homers in 89 games, hit 269. Right now his ADP is around 488, give or take, and it's kind of up in the air if he'll be ready for opening day. But how do you look at Stone Garrett from a fancy perspective? Because when he was on the field wait, right before the injury, it was very, very productive. I really like Stone Garrett. He's, I think he's the one player in this Nationals lineup that if I uh, had to pick who would kind of take a step forward in value, um, like a significant step, uh, to me it would be Stone Garrett. Um, like you said, I mean, he was originally brought on um, the Nationals to be kind of a short short side platoon bat and be a defensive replacement in outfield. And he was playing well enough. I mean, he was just mashing uh, lefties. He had a 246 ISO versus lefties and an 8, 839 OPS versus lefties. Um, so he was playing his role really well to the point where Davey Martinez started giving him more uh, everyday bats, essentially, um, at the end of the season. And he was holding his own versus, versus, versus righties. You know, he had a 758 versus righties. Um, and he was just kind of cruising. And then, like you said, it was just it was a heartbreaker. You know, he broke his leg on a defensive play uh, and it ended his season. So the Nats hadn't really fully seen him. And so I think, um, you know, what I like about Stone Garrett is I think that right now as this roster is constructed and assuming that he's healthy and he's out of his boot, he's already started um, running and hitting. Uh, So assuming that he's ready to go for spring training um, and is healthy, I think that they will throw him out there every day just to see what they have. Um, you know, I think one reason is they didn't get to see it last season. And, you know, the other reason is maybe, you know, by necessity, you know, the nationals don't have a lot of depth really anywhere. Um, and especially in that outfield. So I think that they will try and throw him out there. And I think, you know, with him going kind of just, uh, inside, uh, top 500, is that what you said? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, he's someone I would absolutely take a dart throw on, um, just because, you know, I'm curious to see what he has. He has, uh, um, he's he has a bunch of power and it's one of those things I would be more interested in taking him in leagues where, uh, you know, you have fab and you can do in-season acquisitions. Um, only cause if, only because if he doesn't do well against righties, he will be kind of relegated to probably a short side platoon bat. But, um, yeah, I, like I said, this is a guy who, um, we're sitting and talking about the Nationals next season. I wouldn't be surprised if his uh, value has gone up significantly. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, he's a guy I stare at in a lot of draft rooms. I'm like, I need, I'd love some injury news, people. Give me something. I know it's that time of the year where they don't because we probably shouldn't be drafting already. But uh, that's what we do, and it could be like one of those, if you like said boots off, starts running and hitting, and we see him at spring training and he looks healthy, that ADP yeah. could come up quite a bit. Luis Garcia. 
Um, going to be playing second base most likely for the Nats. And he's a guy that we've seen a very good hit tool in the minors, and it has had its ups and downs when he's had his chance, especially like there's not a ton of power, it seems like. Batting average is there, but um, he's still super young also, so maybe it's one of those situations. Right now he's got an ADP of 388, so he's not costing you a ton. Is there interest in a guy like Luis Garcia? Because he's not going to ever be C.J. Abrams like last year, but is there an avenue for some more success? Yeah, I mean, I actually, I like him. He's someone I may like a little bit more in real life than in fantasy. Um, He's he's interesting in kind of what you said. I mean, he... He hits, he hits for good average. He makes a ton of good contact. Um, he is really young. He was sent down to AAA in August of last season for about a month, and he came back, and it's a very small sample size, but when he came back and played in September, um, he played some of the best ball of his of his season. You know, He posted a career-high 867 OPS. He hit three of his nine home runs in September. Um, he also had a 134 WRC plus for the month. Um, again, it's a small sample size. Um, but it's things that you like to see, you know, you referenced, he's young, he's 23 years old. So, you know, this is when you're kind of making these adjustments. And, um, I think if you combine that with the fact that, you know, you look at his overall season and he made improvements to his plate approach, he dropped his, his K rate by, by 10 points, which is ridiculous. Um, uh, went all the way down to 12.4. He upped his walk rate, which he was having issues with, um, and uh, he also upped his uh, zone contact rate, um, eight points to 91%. So he's got elite contact rates. Uh, he has a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. I think of him kind of as a 10, 10, 270 guy. Um, and I think that he's definitely useful in deeper leagues, um, whether it's, um, you know, for your middle infielder position or a bench, a bench bat, because um, he's not really hurting you anywhere. The thing is, is, you know, with where he's going, if you're looking for a little bit more upside, I don't think there's a lot of upside with, with Luis Garcia. So it just kind of depends how your, how your league is and I think how you've constructed, but um, you know, like I said, nothing kind of jumps off, off the page with him, but he's not hurting you anywhere. So, you know, depending on the depth of your league. Um, oh, I will say actually the uh, one thing that is not good is that he has a 54% ground ball rate. So that really kind of kills him. So um, if he can kind of adjust that to um, or figure work around that, then, you know, great. That will kill the power, indeed, mm-hmm. the ground ball rate like that. But it was a good point. Like in a 15-team league, late round, middle infield, if you're getting 10-10 with a good average, not the worst thing you can no. find. So He's not, not hurting you. Yeah, definitely something to keep on the radar. Here's a fantasy enigma. If you've played fantasy baseball long enough, we've been trying to get the Nick Senzel breakout forever because he was one of the top prospects in baseball and just couldn't stay healthy. Given he's played over 100 games in the last two years, which doesn't sound like much, but for Senzel, it's a point in the right direction. Um the Nats now have him, and they want him to play third base every day, it sounds like. Uh, right now, he's projected with an ADP of 420. Are we in on Sinzel, or is it just like it's not worth the, uh, the headache? Yeah, I don't know. I think if everything breaks right, everything breaks right, um, and that includes mostly kind of staying healthy, um, maybe there's some upside there. Um, it's kind of tricky to gauge him, though, right? I mean, because he's this – kind of former, you know, overall pick, um, non-tendered, uh, but health is, has been his issue. Like you said, you know, was it like two, two seasons ago, he played 110 games, which is the most that he's played. Um, and it's also not like when he was on the field, he was really killing it. Right. Um, so, you know, he has a career 77 WRC plus. Um, so I, you know, I'm not super interested. Um, I think there could be some value there though, in, in mono leagues. And I think that, 
um, just know the health risk. And um, again, I guess if you want to kind of play half glass full, um, you know, this is someone who does have pedigree. He's got some pop and speed. Uh, he hasn't really, this is the first time I think he's been given, okay, here you go. You've got full-time, um, a full-time role, you know, in terms of playing time. Um, and if he stays healthy, maybe that unlocks something. It's not, he wouldn't be the first person to kind of, you know, go through a change of scenery and do well. Um, but am I betting on it? I'm not betting on it, but, um, you know, he does have what, third base and outfield eligibility. So again, you know, depending on if you really are in a deep format, but like I said, I think that mono leagues are better suited for him. Sure. You know, if you want to give him a shot, I'm, I'm, I'm like, eh, about the Nick Senzel experience, but I could be wrong. No, I, I, I understand your, uh, about it thing. Cause you know, the weird thing I, while you were talking, I'm looking, he's, he's going to be 29 this year. He's still so young. He feels like he's been around forever. And, um, so maybe it'll, it'll click eventually. Maybe it's the Joey Manessis thing. Like we'll see it come late in life. I don't know. It's just a health thing. And I just don't feel like stressing about that. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a pivot from the regular agenda here. And I love the, the, the little note you left on the outline is perfect. <laughs> Joey Gallo. Joey, Joey Gallo. Gallo signed to the Nationals on Tuesday. Oh. And um, this is a fun one here because, again, another guy that's not that old. He's only 30, which is yeah. insane to me. I thought he was so much older. We kind of know who Joey is. Hit ball mile or don't hit ball, period. That's <laughs> kind of what we get from Joey Gallo, uh, kind of Pedro Serrano. But um, – ADP is close to 700. Now his men's 586, but he's gotten, <laughs> it's going to come up, you'd imagine, but to how much is the question. So what are your thoughts on Joey Gallo? Like, it'll be entertaining from a fan's perspective. <clears throat> I'll say that much, but for fantasy, what are we thinking? Yeah. Um, fantasy. I mean, like you've said it well, I mean, we kind of know what Joey Gallo is, right? You extreme power, um, extremely high strikeout rates, extremely low batting average. Um, you know, he has a career 197 batting average, but he had he has a sub 180 uh, batting average over the last two seasons. He also has only hit 19 and then 21 homers in the last two seasons. Um, you know, the last time we saw him, you know, he was in Minnesota and I was looking through uh, some of his splits and, you know, he went on the IL a little bit, came back and then just kind of really fell off performance wise. And then he started seeing less playing time. But I looked at his... Um, his July and he had, uh, he has a 54% strikeout rate in July and a 55 WRC plus in July. And it was just like, man. Um, so I would be more confident. Like if I knew that he, if, if Gallo was going to hit, you know, 30 plus bombs, maybe, maybe I would take it, but that batting average is so low. I'm, I'm not going to hold, hold it against you. If you pick up uh, Joey Gallo, I mean, we all know why if you pick up Joey Gallo, because it's a dart throw at power. And I will say, you know, the national stadium uh, nationals park is um, a good hitters park. It plays well to lefties. And um, you know, again, maybe this is a move uh, where he knows he's got a year contract and he just like, you know, crushes the ball. Like that would not be surprising. He has a whole range of outcomes. So I have no problem with taking um, Joey Gallo, but I think everyone who picks him up, you, you, you know what you're getting into, right? hundred percent. That's, that's the thing with Joey Gallo, you know, the experience that you're mm -hmm. going to get and buckle up is the yeah. best way I could put it for sure. Anybody else worth noting on the roster? It's a lot of your simple team players, but none of them really stand out for fantasy for me. Not really. Um, I think we kind of covered, covered the mo most of them. All right, let's head to the mound. And we kind of joked about it early. 
it's kind of the same five from last year, and that's not always a good thing. No. It's not I, Fab Five. No, not even close. <laughs> like even a bad time off from Chris Weber won't save this team. Nope. Um, nope. Um, we got Josiah Gray on the bright side. ERA down to three nine last year, but all the peripheral ERAs tell you <laughs> probably not a good thing. Um, went 159 innings. That was a plus. So I'm trying to find grains of salt here, but uh, his ADP is 384. So I guess if you want a guy that's going to pitch every fifth day, you got that going for you. But what are your thoughts on Josiah Gray? Yeah, no, I mean, I think overall it's kind of arrows down for me with uh, Josiah Gray. Um, I will say, you know, the one one thing that one plus for him is that he did cut his home run uh, per nine down. It was at two, 2.30 and he cut it down to 1.25 and home runs are kind of the Achilles heel of this team um, across the board. Um, they have like a 1.54 um, home run per nine, which is worst in the league. So um, to see that, you know, there's a plus, but like I said, I think, you know, he's striking out less, he's walking more. Um, he did kind of change his pitch mix a little bit from 22 to 23, 2023. Um, you know, he, he threw his fastball um, less, which is good because it was really not effective and he was throwing it almost 40% of the time in 2022. He cut that to 17%. He also, um, he added a cutter and a slider, I believe. Um, and, uh, and I'm sorry, a splitter. Um, but those were ineffective. And if you kind of look at Josiah Gray, he was operating with like five pitches and they were all just kind of like, meh, like there was nothing that was really, really great. And so I think moving forward, um, I don't have a lot of faith uh, with Josiah Gray. Um, I would be interested if he cut down his arsenal a little, a little bit, and if he just worked with you know his slider and curve and fastball, maybe he could find some success um, with that. But I'm not drafting him um, in fantasy, and I'm happy to be sitting on the fantasy <laughs> sideline. And if he makes uh, improvements and I miss out, I'm okay with that. Um, I just I'm not I'm not I'm not drafting Josiah Gray. Yeah, it, it's a frustrating profile because you see some moments where you're like, okay, he might be figuring things out, and then it just unravels yet again. So maybe wait-and-see approach is the way to go there. Let's talk McKenzie Gore, though, where, you know, young arm, you know, came over with the C.J. Abrams deal, going to be 25 this year. We saw some definite goods this past year. Mm-hmm. Also still some maybe growing pains is what we could call them. ADP of 298 right now. Are you interested in a pitcher like Mackenzie Gore? I am actually a little interested in Mackenzie Gore. Um, I was going to say, if you contrast him with uh, Josiah Gray, it's like they're just like the opposite, where he did take a step forward in 2023. He improved his strikeout rate. He walked less, but then it was his home run rate that blew up. Um, and so it's just completely opposite of Josiah Gray. But um, I think he's working with uh, a better arsenal. Uh, he does rely on his fastball like close to 60% of the time, which I don't really love. And this year it really got blown up. Um, you know, batters were slugging uh, 503 off of him and he led 27 home runs and 17 came off of his fastball. Um, so, you know, he needs, and also I guess his fastball, um, looking at this, it went, it dropped two ticks in below. So, um, I don't know what was going on there. He has a really nice curveball and slider uh, to pair with that fastball. And those are really nice pitches for him. They both have whiff pit with uh, percentages over 37%. Um, so I think there's stuff to work with there. Um, I do know that, 
he was dealing with he kind of faded in the second half and he was giving up a lot of fly balls, um, which probably translated to some of those home runs. Um, but he was also dealing with some blister issues um, and he eventually was shut down a little bit sooner, uh, I think in September uh, last season. So he still hasn't really played a full season. He's only started to, he started 27 games uh, last year and um, maybe him kind of fading in the second half had to do with just, you know, fatigue and, um, you know, I don't know. Um, but I, yeah, I am interested in Mackenzie Gore. I would take um, a couple shots on him. He's the only pitcher in this rotation that I would even, that I, that I would draft. Yep. hundred percent with you on this one. So I can group the last three together for yeah, you. Or right. you can, okay. I was say we can just group it. You got Jake Irvin. He's yeah. like the youngest one in the group. A lot of pitch to contact. We got Patrick Corbin, mm-hmm. kind of know that show. And then we got Trevor Williams. So they're all three about the same. I guess the bright side is they're hoping that just Williams and Corbin can eat innings, I guess, is what they're going for. But for fantasy purposes, do any of these three do anything for you? No, they don't. I, I No one should be drafting Trevor Williams, just period. Um, and I'm not interested in Jake Irvin, which is less less about Jake Irvin. It's, he's kind of just like – just. I think sometimes people want to take up shots on young pitchers. And I just think that, uh, you know, with Jake Irvin, he's not someone that I'm interested in doing primarily just because he's with an organization that I don't think uh, develops pitchers well. So if you are going to take shots on pitchers for me, I'm looking at, you know, drafting pitchers from organizations with better, you know, pitching development. So um, I'm not interested in Jake Irvin, Patrick Corbin. I think people will make a case for the fact well, you know, you're going to get 160 to 170 innings from him. Um, so in DCs or deeper leagues um, where you need that volume, um, I know people make a case for this. I would say though, with someone like Patrick Corbin, I would make the case against that because you're, what are you getting with those innings? You're not getting strikeouts. You know, his strikeouts have dipped um, consecutively over six uh, seasons and he hit a career worst 15.7% strikeout rate last year. So I would rather take up two roster spots with um, serviceable relievers uh, than taking up uh, uh, one spot with, with Patrick Corbin. I, you know, I'm not drafting Patrick Corbin. I don't even care, like even in deeper leagues. So, um, but I know people talk about that. So I figured I should yeah, bring that point fair. up. It's fair. No, these are all valid points. Like they will be they drafted, especially in drafted holds and DCs, those 15 teamers. They will end up on rosters. They're not on any of mine right now, but right. they will end up on rosters for sure. Let's go to the bullpen now. And uh, we'll start with the first guy here. And I do like your other option as well. Uh, Kyle Finnegan. This is a guy that was pitching well, got hurt, then came back and did his thing. Ended with uh, 28 saves, which is outstanding from where you're drafting them. Cause like, Right now, going into the draft season, 227 ADP is kind of nice for a guy that might get you 20-ish saves. So what's your thoughts on Finnegan? Yeah, um, I, I, I think that if you are drafting Kyle Finnegan, I think it's a bottom of the barrel of closers. And I think you shouldn't be dissuaded uh, or persuaded, I should say, um, by the 28 saves. It came with, um, you know, kind of some ugly ratios. And um, I don't have... He's a bat winner. He's a back end, I think, closer. And I think that this season you should be looking, expecting more like uh, 20 saves versus versus 28. Um, I also think the Nationals um, will try and trade him uh, before the All-Star break. So um, I think you need to keep that in mind. And um, I don't know. He's he's someone, he, his, his K rate dropped um, 
from 26 in 20, 26% in 2022 down to 21.9 um, in 2023. He also, you know, his hard hit rates and barrel rates have increased each year over the past four seasons. So these are things that you do not want to see. And um, like I said, I'm kind of more interested in uh, the guy behind him, um, which is Hunter Harvey. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, Hunter Harvey, ADP at 277. I know we kind of both liked him last year. Got 10 saves while Finnegan was out. They gave Finnegan the job back because at least he was getting the saves, so that's mm-hmm. fair. But Harvey's waiting in the wings, as you say. So, And he's like three years younger than Finnegan, too, which is a plus in the pitching world. So what's your thoughts? Would you be more interested in drafting Harvey in a draft and hold? or Because Finnegan, or if I if I do draft him, which I have a few times, it's usually my reliever three, my yeah. closer oh, three, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which I'm cool with. Like, let's yeah. get him in and out. But Hunter Harvey, what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that I, I'm interested in Hunter Harvey. He may he's that next guy up. I think that if the Nationals do trade um, Finnegan, and assuming Hunter Harvey's healthy, and that is a, a big thing, he does he is kind of risky health wise. Um, it is Hunter Harvey. You know, last season he had ten saves um, and nineteen holds. Um, and he's had a K rate of over twenty eight percent the last two seasons. Um, and in terms of his um, uh, I guess health, uh, his injury risk, you know, he pitched 60.2 innings last season, which was a career high, you know, he pitched 39.1 the year before, but prior to that, he, he hasn't cracked double digit innings. So, you know, that innings, um, issue is, is legitimate, but between the two arms, the, his arm is the, the more skilled one. He just doesn't have like the role right now. And I don't know, you know, you can't always say, oh, well, he's going to get the the saves in the second half because, you know, I, you, you don't know that for sure, but he is someone that you should be interested in, in, in save and holds and he may get uh, a bump in saves. And it is worth noting that there was a stretch, I believe in June or July where Hunter Harvey um, converted six of six saves in 10 appearances um, for the Nationals, but then he got hurt, landed on the IL, and then um, the Nationals just continued to go with Finnegan um, after that. So um, it's just two things. He's the more skilled arm, and um, the Nationals have turned to him before he has picked up saves uh, for the team, and they're comfortable going with him. Um, so I do like him a little bit more. I like him more in saves and hold leagues, but if you want to take a, a shot or back up, Kyle Finnegan, um, Hunter Harvey, I think it's a good pick. No, I like that a lot. I'm a big, big Hunter Harvey fan. Been wanting it for a long time. He was a big time prospect with the O's. Comes over to Washington. This might be the role for him. All right, let's talk prospects or potential prospects we could see this season. Um, each team's different. Uh, what are we seeing with Washington? Is there anything to maybe get excited about? Well, I think um, Nassim Nunez is is kind of interesting. He was acquired in the Rule 5 draft. He was um, shortstop over in, in uh, with Marlins, I believe. And uh, he's someone that is interesting. He's He was an all-star in the AFL, and he was the MVP of the 2023's um, Futures game. And a lot of his value lies with his legs. Um, In double A, he stole 52 bases across 585 plate appearances. And I think with the Nets picking him up in the Rule 5 draft, I think they have a plan for him, which makes sense, which is kind of this, you know, I was talking about this last year, and it still rings true this year, is that, you know, there's overall, there's not really a lot of power on this team. And so I think that the Nationals, um, you know, need to manufacture runs. I think they need to be aggressive on the base paths. Um, you know, if you look at like last year, they were, I think, two, uh, they were they were 29th in home runs, but they were 12th in stolen bases. So this is something that I think they'll continue to do. I think Nassim Nunez um, 
should be coming off the bench and he's an interesting guy to come off the bench in terms of whether it's a pinch runner or um, kind of an in-season or an in-game replacement um, because he could be a sneaky source of steals. steals. So um, he's just worth, I think I flagged him just because I think that he's, he's interesting. He's worth watching and it's interesting to see. um, It'll be interesting to see how the nationals actually utilize him. uh, And all those rule rule five guys are great to keep in mind Mm because Uh, just because they don't look super flashy, well, they're going to keep their job or they're gone. So um, that makes right. it interesting as well. Uh, anybody else have reference for you on the, the Nats? Um, you know, I had I had put both uh, Dylan Cruz and James Wood up, and I kind of clumped them together in the sense that these are guys that I don't think you should be necessarily going out and drafting and stashing right now. I think these are guys that, that um, I mean, they're number one and two prospects of the organization. Um and I think that if they see, if they see time, it'll be, um, you know, at the tail end of this season, um, you know, Dylan Cruz, uh, you know, he's the number one prospect in the nationals. He's part of that LSU championship team. Um, and they took him second overall. He's got some plus power and speed and on-base ability, but he has struggled. He did struggle a little bit in double A. So um, he's kind of, I think between the two, um, maybe, um, I don't know. I guess it kind of depends how he does it in AAA. Um, so we'll see. And then James Wood, you know, he came over in the Soto deal. He brings, uh, you know, a ton of power and speed to the table. And he's this huge guy. He's 6'6", 240. Um, and he'll likely start the season in AAA. And uh, both these guys can take over in the outfield. So it really kind of depends how well they do in AAA um, and then how how things are going, you know, with the Nationals um, outfield situation, which is really thin. and um, you know, if that's not going well, they may bring these guys up. Um, but like I said, don't stash them now uh, because, you know, we may not see them. And if we do, it's at the tail end um, of the season. One guy who I, I do think that we'll see, and it's on the pitching side, is DJ Hers. He came over in the um, Jamer Candelario trade. Um, and he's a lefty who's got really nice um, change up. And he he kind of pairs it with a slider and a fastball. Um, but, it, you know, like we, we talked about, I think that um, – the nationals pitching is just really atrocious. And I don't think that they, I think that if, um, you know, hers is, is doing really well. Um, I think he'll start, I don't know if they'll put him in kind of like as in the bullpen or they'll try and stretch him out and try and use him as a reliever. You know, they brought up Jake urban in May of last season. Um, so he's interesting to watch. And I think that of all of these guys, um, you know, hurts, you know, just kind of flag him and see where he comes up because uh, he has good stuff. He's a lefty, um, and the Nationals don't really have a lot of options, um, you know, when it comes to pitchers. So he could be interesting. Yeah, a fun end game target in DCs. Mm-hmm. He's got an ADP at seven fifty. Been taken once since January third. So that's one of those. Literally, if you're just looking for a, a, a last round kind of target, that I like that. And like it, it, a lot of what you said, especially these prospects, real five guys coming over. It's all these guys in trades. Mm-hmm. And that's how we saw like CJ Abrams, McKenzie Gore. And you said it at the top of the show, like they're rebuilding, they're trading guys out. They're doing, they're doing it the right way. The best they can. They got to figure out how to get more pitching. That's for mm-hmm. sure. I'm not speaking, you know, something crazy here. It's got the obvious stuff, but they're at least going in the right direction. It feels like at, at times, but for you as a nationals fan, what are your thoughts or expectations for 2024? Uh, well, I still think I would like to see them add uh, maybe another arm to the rotation, you know, whether it's just a veteran. This is a really young team on both sides of the ball. Um, and so I, 
hopefully, you know, they make a move. I would like to see a move made because otherwise it's just, they're running on fumes. I just, I just don't know. I think for every, you know, two steps, you know, every step, I guess, you know, these hitters make, I think it's like two steps back um, when you combine that with the pitchers. Um, you know, like I said, I'm concerned that the the, the pitching will kind of keep this um, rebuild uh, kind of down. So I would like to see some changes there. Um, but outside of that, you know, I really like the direction uh, it's going hitting wise. Um, like I said, at the beginning of, of the show, um, it's really fun to see some of these prospects prospects um play and it, you know who knows maybe maybe you'll get a nice season out of um senzel um maybe joey gallo will go off maybe this will spark some sort of you know something i listen we're still gonna finish at the end of the division but um you know you gotta have hope right yep you gotta have hope you gotta have fun baseball's baseball and uh that's all that really matters in the end and you never know with these young teams like you got nothing to lose like we've seen i'm not saying they're gonna do what the marlins have done recently but we've seen them Couple of years where the Marlins like it's out of nowhere, but they also have the pitching to go with it. But uh, there, there's a difference. So I'm with you. And there's there's some cheaper free agent arms still out there, so it would be nice yeah. to see a little something. I'm with like a Seth Lugo would have been great there, Michael yeah. Walker, but yeah. those guys want to go or something, guys. someone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens, but next year or whatever, hopefully it's better. We'll yeah. see, but time will tell. But once again, let everybody know where they can find you and all that good stuff. Yeah, you can find me over at Fantrax. Um, I'll start kind of putting pushing some uh, stuff out as we get closer uh, to the start of baseball season. Um, and again, a little hit and miss, but over at Twitter, I am at LK Auerbach. So those are the two places this, uh, that you can find me. Well, I always appreciate you joining me. Great chatting with you. And I look forward to, to doing it again sometime. Thanks for having me, Bubba. All right, everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 642, your Washington Nationals season preview. Catch you all next time.